All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to uh, Blunt Instruments. This is episode twenty something, and uh, we got a we got a special episode for you guys today. So um, Jake kind of came up with the idea that maybe we should do a Christmas edition episode, and uh, so that's what this is. But before we get into it, I'm Luke. This is Jake. What's going on, buddy? Hey, mate. How are you? Good, man. Good, man. How's uh? Christmas time in Australia. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I think, I don't know if we've spoken about this, but obviously I'm originally from England, and having Christmas in summer, I've been here for like 10 years, and it's still absolute dog shit. Like, I just hate having Christmas in summer, but yeah. it still feels pretty good. Like, you know, still nice to have a bit of time off and that, but it's just yeah. not the same. I was actually talking with uh, Joslyn the other day, and she was sending me some of the, because she does like landscape architecture and stuff like that. She yeah. was sending me some of the things that her and her boss have done. I was like, you know, we have stuff like that around here in Michigan. I mean, there's a lot of really, really high-end cities and things like that around here. But none of it looks that good because then the summer com- or the winter comes and everything gets cracked and yeah. destroyed and shit. So... But I did say my the point I made to her was like I will take regular Christmas over California Christmas any day though because that would just be yeah. weird. A hundred percent. Like I think it's just oh, there's something about it, isn't there? You know, it's cold. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit yeah. miserable. I don't know. We it's it's like the only bugbear that I have living in Australia. That is the only thing. But yeah. you know, once a year I can deal with it. I'm right, a big boy right. now. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we've got a bit of a weird episode today, haven't we? Because we're doing a James Bond podcast, not talking about James Bond. No, but you know what? I found a way to incorporate James Bond because between these, you know, these two films, there's a lot of James Bond connections, and we can uh, try to point them out as we go. But uh, I hope you've worked them out because I've got no well, idea. Well, they're they're obvious <laughs> connections. They're obvious connections, but. Uh, but yeah, so basically, Jake came up with the idea that, uh, and we'll give a little credit to uh, Bond on a Budget, because he kind of uh, reached out to me and asked me if I liked the holiday, and then it kind of got the wheels turning on our end, so shout out to Bond on a Budget. Also, thanks for the NATO strap, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we decided that we are going to debate which film is better between the holiday and love actually so (laughs) this has nothing to do with james bond this is a christmas episode this is going to be out around christmas if you don't like it you can shut it off but uh i think it's actually going to be pretty damn funny so let's see jake how do you want to do which first off i think we should just start off by saying which one of the two do you like better and then i'll say which one of the two do i like better caveat to that is i love them both i love them so this isn't going to yeah. be like a, this one sucks and this one doesn't, you know, it's going to be, you know, whatever. Which one do you like better? And and give me a quick reason why. Yeah. So I like the good one, which is obviously love actually. Um, <laughs> why? Because it's a, uh, it's basically a who's who of British actors. In a weird way. Yeah. Like for me, that is what truly makes love actually is that it's, I think during that sort of time, you know, it came out in 2003, and I'd say 
building up through the 90s and then the early sort of 2000s, there were a few really, really well done, good English films. Um, pretty much everything that starred Hugh Grant in it, like that sort of genre, you know, even about a boy, Four Winds and the Funerals, those sorts of ones where they all sort of built up. And then to me, it almost sort of culminates in, in Love Actually with where, you know, after that, it dries up a little bit when it comes to sort of the English rom-com sort of, I suppose, mm. cinema. And for me, I just feel like it had some of the best cast in any film, pretty much. Like, regardless of if you actually like the film or not, when it comes to sort of English, English sort of cinema, you look through it and it's just incredible, I should say, you know. Mm-hmm cinema across the united kingdom because there's they're not all english but right. yeah that's that's probably the reason for me is that i can put this film on any time of the year and still enjoy it and i think it has a lot to do with the acting and i think just the storyline and how they sort of wind them in a bit but what about you so for uh debating sake and um just because <laughs> i picked the holiday and i'll get my reasoning is because it's fantastic. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> the writing is great, and it's got one of the best soundtracks of all time. Bond reference number one, it's Hans Zimmer. So, you know, this came out right around the time Casino Royale did. And um, and you know what? They're both Sony, and I actually kind of feel like one of them had a preview for the other on its DVD. Yeah, I, I I'm not remember that. sure. Yeah, but so the to me, it's the biggest thing in this is like I like the Nancy Myers films. Like I'll come out and admit it, I love chick flicks, dude. They're the best. Yeah, and uh, Jude Law is awesome in this. Um, I honestly, truly, I think it's one of Cameron Diaz's best performances. I've never been. I mean, she's beautiful, but I've never been a huge fan of hers because she does a lot of stuff that I just don't watch like i don't give a shit about charlie's angels you know what i mean like things like that but i think it was kind of a different role for all of them in a sense where like it is like a comedy romance christmas movie but you never see jack black in this you also kind of never see um kate winslet like in something this light and jude law you can kind of say the same thing for him like he he doesn't they're both like okay here Kate Winslet and Jew Law usually do really dramatic roles where Cameron Diaz and Jack Black usually do like a little more over the top sort of comedy, right, isn't it? Comedy, yeah. right. So it's like it's like a middle ground for all of them. So for me, it's just something that, you know, got to the point where similar to Friends, it was just something I would throw on to have on in the background. And yeah. um you know the story's great. It's um, but yeah, the one of the biggest things for me is the is the the soundtrack, the score. You know, yeah, Mr. Hansmer. It's it's great. That's a good one. I think for me, sort of diving right into the the argument around which Christmas film is best. This is such a stupid episode, but I'm gonna I enjoy know. it. Um, <laughs> I, I I think if you sort of compare the two, because I think a lot of people do just because of fairly similar sort of time that they came out and they're Christmas films that aren't necessarily dedicated right around Christmas, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. It's not like 
you know, let's talk about Elf or something like that, where it's like this is a Christmas film and it is designed for Christmas and that and that only. Both of these two films, which I think was interesting, that they're probably two of our favourite ones. They're mm-hmm. based at Christmas, but not necessarily just on the the premise of it's Christmas. There's a lot more going on with it. But I always found like, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but the holiday almost felt like the Americanized version. Like, just obviously with the storyline and some of the actors in it, it definitely felt more American. And that's one of the things that I, I enjoy the holiday. Like, I do enjoy mm-hmm. it. But that's one of the biggest differences for me is it is a bit more of an Americanized sort of film with with some of the actors. And I'm going to say this, and we might not talk at the end of this. I don't know your feelings on it. I cannot stand Jack Black. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's not nowhere near my favorite at all. But that's why I don't mind him in this movie, because it's not his typical dumb shit, even though School of Rock's great. Like, if you don't like School of Rock, you can get the hell out. Yeah, that's that's the one that I'll give him a pass on. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. And one thing I I I went through and I was really interested that pretty much all of the reviews for the holiday were absolutely horrendous at the time. Like mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that this film got so like widely panned when it came out. And yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I think that it's good and yeah, it's no love actually. Put it that way. Yeah. Well, Love Actually's critic score isn't very good either. That's You know what, though? <laughs> like, I, See, this is like, it's going to turn into an argument, and it doesn't even need to, because I Love Actually is, I'm obsessed <laughs> with fucking Love Actually, so relax. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's funny to me, because um, a lot of these rom-coms get really shitty reviews, but it's like even when the director and writers like making this film, they don't literally give a shit about that because it's no. like it gets people to go see the movie like over the weekend. Like I saw here, I don't, I can't remember where I saw it, but like I think like um, the holiday grossed like a little over 115 million or no 205 million, and the budget was like 85 million. So it's like they over doubled yeah. their money. That's all they care about. You know what I mean? And then it's like same with um, Love Actually. It was forty-five million. They made two hundred and forty-eight million. So it's like these movies get made for very little, and yeah. and then just crush. And I think the main reason the budget was so expensive for the holidays is just because of the four actors they have in there, especially Kate Winslet and probably Cameron Diaz, probably made the most of the two. Um, it, which I, they I was actually reading have, something. But... I was reading something interesting about that just before we came on talking about sort of money and budget with things. That you know her house, like the little cottage and all of that. Mm-hmm. In of real... Yeah, that's it. Instead... <laughs> <laughs> Instead of using an actual cottage, for some reason, they built that house on like a, you know, a soundstage or whatever. And it cost like a million pounds to do this house. Uh, Instead of just using a fucking cottage. Yeah, where they cottage. could have rented it from somebody. Yeah, for like a what, relative of mine. A yeah, a relative of mine that lives in, um, I can't remember, her husband's, like, super rich. And I can't remember exactly what she does. It's actually my aunt's sister. But they used to live up in the Hollywood Hills right next door to BJ Novak from The Office. Yeah. And then bef- or before that, they actually lived 
somewhere in Hollywood where that movie Hollywood Homicide with Josh Hartnett and Harrison Ford. Yeah. They used their home to film a couple scenes. And it's just like you save so much money. You know, so she's yeah. got like a picture with her, Josh Hartnett, and Harrison Ford. But it's just like, you know, that's what these location scouts are for. Like, I'm, I guarantee you that there's some rando in the middle of, in you know, England that would have been, or even Scotland or wherever you want to go that would be like, yeah, you can use my cottage for three weeks. I don't care. Yeah, 100%. I think. Not like anything crazy went down in that cottage that they needed a soundstage for. No, they had sex on while she was wearing a bra. I think that yeah. was the most. I know. You know, risky thing. Um, Fucking ass, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's interesting. Like I, you, you sort of mentioned the actors and that there. That I think that's probably one of the other main differences for it. That Love Actually obviously has a huge cast, but it almost seems like a few of them were sort of picked up fairly early on. So it's almost like you've got you've got a core of let's say. Hugh Grant, Liam Nielsen, um, Colin mm. Firth, Emma Thompson, and then Bill Nye as well. But then some of the other ones, like Kira Knightley at this time, she was rising, but she wasn't, you know, risen. Yeah. What she necessarily is now. Um, Martina McCutcheon, she she was in EastEnders. Like, she wasn't, yeah, she was in EastEnders and she's one of the major characters in it, so like she wasn't that well known at the time. Um, mm-hmm. and a few other ones I can't pronounce this bloke's name, but Christopher Etchafor is that right? Have I said that right? Oh, you know Chuatel, Chuatel, yeah, yeah, there no, he hadn't. What was his big break? He hadn't, whatever that was, wasn't 12 Years a Slave, that was 10 years later when he was really yeah. known. Exactly. Like, you put that into a little bit of context of, like, he was in that film as, like, a proper B part. Like, mm-hmm. he was pretty much just, you know, the husband who his best mate loves his wife. It's pretty weird. Right. But, right. you know, 10 years later, he's in 12 Years a Slave, which, did he win an Oscar for that or did it win Best Picture? It was like, he, you know. He won, I believe. Yeah. Or no, he was nominated. Just, he was nominated. Yeah. I think it won Best Picture then. So absolutely, like, I absolutely mullered pronouncing his name then, didn't I? I didn't even get close. Hey, call him Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve. I can't pronounce this guy's name. What is it? Steve. Steve. Um, okay, so to piggyback off that. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Let's take a look at Kira Knightley. So Kira Knightley, up until this point in time, her biggest role, which most people don't even know existed, was she plays like a fake Queen Amidala in Star Wars Episode One? So yeah. she plays like her decoy. And then she, this film, Love Actually and Pirates of the Caribbean were released in the same year. So she had a mega year. And technically, I think Pirates of the Caribbean came out first. But when she filmed it, like, so she, so Pirates of the Caribbean came out and then Love Actually. And then after that, those were the same year. But then after that, you've got Pride and Prejudice, the next couple Pirates of the Caribbean, and then The Duchess, different things where she was then nominated for the two Oscars. She wasn't nominated for anything at that point in time. And then let's take a look at Mr. Andrew Lincoln. Like One thing with Kira Knightley as well, like I think at the time, I don't know if this traveled too well, but 
She was in Bendit Like Beckham a year before. And oh, that yeah. is like, um, I'd almost say it's like a cult English film now. Um, it was big over here too. Yeah, just the I think, to be honest, I think it was just because of David Beckham. Like it was a great film, but I think it was just like a name. And then that it sort of exploded because of, Probably around that time with sort of the equality conversation, that's where, you know, things were starting to get talked about a bit more in sport. So I think that, you know, sort of piggybacked her into a major role in this film. And then, like you said, she's just absolutely exploded from there. Mm -hmm. But still probably the worst part of that film. Yeah, I am not a big fan of hers. So, (laughs) but, and you know what, here, we'll stick with, let's do... So Bill Nighy, Colin Firth, Liam Neeson, Emma Thompson. So all of these people were well established by the time they did this film. You know, yeah. Liam Neeson was nominated for the Oscar for um, Schindler's List, and that was like ten years prior. Yeah, ex- to almost exactly. So everybody knew who that was. He's and then Emma Thompson was also nominated for a couple of act, couple Oscars. Her biggest films. Up until then were Howard's End and then Sense and Sensibility. Sense and Sensibility was like her big one, nominated for two Oscars. And then, of course, Colin Firth. I just, of course, of course, what am I, Mike Tyson? Mike Tyson. (laughs) Um, And then Colin Firth, who was in Bridget Jones' Diary with Hugh Grant before that. Similar to Hugh, you know what, Colin, okay, if you compare those two, Colin Firth and Hugh Grant, Colin Firth's career was much he didn't need love actually and neither did Hugh Grant but Hugh Grant has done less notable things since than Colin Firth like King's Speech and Kingsman have all come out after love actually where like Notting Hill all those rom-coms that Hugh Grant was doing were all before love actually like the third installment or second installment of Bridget Jones was like after Love, Love Actually. But now Hugh Grant's getting big over here again because he's in that show, The Undoing. Has that made its way over to you guys with Nicole Kidman? Um, One yeah, of your, I, That yeah, one's a mega hit over here. I feel like it's... I've, I've heard it being thrown around a bit. Hugh Grant's a weird one, isn't he? Like, he... He's done... Obviously, he's done well for himself. But he's sort of like... Like you're saying, he set himself up with Bridget Jones and all of that, and he almost sort of typecast himself into what is the most English person that you can play and just mm-hmm. play an English person, and that's the right. end of it. You know, like, he's literally playing a caricature of Tony Blair in this film. Like, right. that, I remember right. 2003, you know, Tony Blair was the most rock and roll Prime Minister England's ever had, and look how that went. Mm-hmm. Um, but... With sort of Hugh Grant, like I think even now it's he's starting to come back a bit. Like he was in The Gentleman, um, and he was great in that, and that was almost like a a, a serious comedy role, if that makes sense. Like it was funny his character in it, but he played a really integral part. Um, yeah. But he's almost sort of like trying to show off his acting a little bit more. That's what it feels like to me. Like. Between right. that, he's also in a very British scandal as well at the moment, which is great in. But, yeah, he's almost sort of saying, well, I've now reached however old he is, and I'm just going to go and do some something very different that's not Bridget Jones or Love Actually or About a Boy, because 
he almost plays the same character in all of them, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Like it's right. the love the lovable, dopey English bloke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um that's basically what he plays in the undoing too. Even though I've I'm only on the first episode, maybe it'll change. But so before we do the James Bond portion, I want to take a look at a couple more actors in this film. Yeah. And then we also need to go because the James Bond part doesn't even compare to the Harry Potter. Oh no. Yeah. You know, this is basically so, like a Harry Potter screen test, wasn't it? Exactly. <laughs> okay, so Andrew Lincoln, this was by far his biggest role up until The Walking Dead. I mean, this is Rick yeah. friggin' Grimes from the Rick Grimes. Carl, Carl from The Walking Dead. So, I mean, this was like, and and you can't even say like Love Actually put him on the map to be Rick friggin' Grimes. So that's an interesting actor in there. Bill Nighy, he's like a like a British legend at this point in yeah. time. You know, 151 credits on his resume. Also in Pirates of the Caribbean, and then. Why he isn't he in Harry Potter or no? Yeah, he's in. Okay, so he doesn't come in until Deathly Hallows though. So he's in a couple of the Pirates of the Caribbeans, but he's also in Harry Potter. So boom with him. And then you go back to one that I'm surprised we didn't mention like right off the rip. Rest in peace, Ellen friggin' Rickman. He is yeah. he was like British royalty as well. Also in Harry Potter. I mean friggin' Snape. You know, like it's a Harry Potter who's who. And then for some of the Americans I want to touch on too. Actually before we do that, Claudia. Oh Schiff. no, I've just realized who your what? who your James Bond tie in is. Yeah, but I didn't even realize that we got going. And that's not no I the James Bond tie in with this that. film. The James Bond tie in, the actual James Bond tie in is Liam Neeson um was partially considered for Goldeneye. And then I guess he didn't take it because he just <laughs> wasn't interested in starring in acting films at the time. So, but no, that was my Denise Richards. Yeah, but Denise Richards, you forget that she's even in love, actually. But it's like, OK, here, it's funny in a sense because. And correct me if I'm wrong. But Laura Linney. OK, so you got Laura Linney and Billy Bob Thornton. These are two mega actors in the U.S., Laura Linney is very good, like especially Ozark Laura Linney. She's incredible. But aside from Laura Linney, they basically make every American actor in this film either a huge piece of shit or a whore. (laughs) So let's go. Let's go down the list. Are you You, saying that's uh, wrong? I'm I'm confused. No, I'm not necessarily saying it's wrong. (laughs) I'm not necessarily saying it's wrong. (laughs) So Laura Linney. Know your audience. <laughs> I know. I know. So, Laura Linney, nominated for three Oscars. This was her biggest role. I'd say, well, okay, when we say biggest role, I'm not saying acting-wise, just maybe exposure-wise, but I'm trying to find out when she did The Truman Show because The Truman Show, have you ever seen The Truman Show? Please say you've seen yeah. The Truman Show. Yeah. That movie is ridiculously good, and... When the hell was it? That had to have been in the 90s. I think that, yeah, had that was before this. Okay, 1998. Yeah. yeah. And Laura Linney's beautiful, you know, and they make her look like dog shit in Ozark, but she's a lot pretty. I mean, I, Brienne and I watched Ozark, 
And then we watched an interview with her and she was like, who is, who, who is this? I was like, that's the friggin' wife in Ozark. She's like, she, they make her look terrible in Ozark. Um, she, uh, she's one of those people where I will see her in something. And for me, it's always weird because Love Actually, like I said, it's one of genuinely one of my favorite films. She'll be in something else, and I will be I will be watching it. Like I watched, I think the whole first season of Ozark without realizing that she was in Love Actually. The same right. with like the Truman Show and stuff like that. Like she. She looks very different in a lot of her films. I don't know how you but... get her. She gets naked in love, actually. And it's like the yeah. scene and all <laughs> fucking movie. <clears throat> Move on to Billy Bob Thornton. I hate Billy Bob Thornton. I think Billy Bob Thornton's a piece of shit. I don't like him at all. <laughs> you apart know what I mean? Apart from that, he's so all right, like... yeah? What? Apart from that, he's all right, yeah? Yeah, apart from that, he's yeah. fine. No, I'm being, I'm being, that's just even as an, I mean, the guy's got an octor. She's uh, an octor. God. <laughs> He has an Oscar, but I just don't like him, you know. And you know what, though? Because – and this may be a little different for you guys in Australia and then even the people in the UK that may listen to this. In the US, when he was with Angelina Jolie, they were both so weird. Like anybody listening to this who's above the age of maybe – I mean I'm not quite there. I want to say like above the age of 30 who just pays any attention to Hollywood. Like they were like – they get out. They just dressed like shit. They there's an interview and they like hop out of a limo and he says we just had sex in the limo. They both just look terrible. Like him and Angelina, like they were not A-listers. They were just like trash bags that could act. You know what I mean? Like she later became like a full-on A-lister, like Miss Elegant, whatever. Which I also don't like her. Brad Pitt for life. Brad Pitt for life, <laughs> son. But okay, let me just finish this. That's um that's actually really interesting because I think. Exactly like you said that, I don't know if it's maybe sort of timing or whatever it was, but I didn't know that. Like, I was almost like, fuck it, it's going in a bit hard here. But that makes sense. Like, I'm not sure how well that traveled to, like, the UK where I was living and different places and things like that. So that's interesting. Like, American perception on this and he's in it, you know. At the time, I mean, he's just, probably a different perception they, in England. They cast him in this film to be an asshole because his reputation at the time was he's just an asshole. You know, yeah. and doubt they were like, hey, you know, we want you to basically be a a, a slightly different version of yourself. Because, yeah. you know, I will say Billy Bob Thornton is a good enough actor to where if you watch him in different films, you don't always get that vibe. Like he plays an asshole very well in Love Actually. Whereas in something like Monsters Ball, he doesn't really play that type of character with Halle Berry and um, Heath Ledger. But it's like his reputation just as like a human being around that time and maybe a little earlier, I think, or maybe just right around that time. He was just like a trash bag. But let me just name off these four babes real quick before we move on. January Jones. Alicia Cuthbert, Shannon Elizabeth, Denise Richards. What up? That's what I'm talking about, especially January Jones and Alicia Cuthbert. January Jones eventually went on to, to be nominated for a couple Golden Globes for Mad Men, by far her yeah. best role. Um, Alicia Cuthbert, you may know from Girl Next Door. Um, she's also in um, The Ranch, Aust- or uh, Ashton Kutcher's Netflix show. 
Shannon Elizabeth didn't really do a whole lot of anything after American Pie. She's in a Hallmark movie that my mom loves and her and I make fun of all the time. And then, of course, after Love Actually, Denise Richards didn't do shit because guess what? Wild Things, Starship Troopers, and The World Is All Not Enough all came before Love Actually. And guess yeah. how much of Love Actually she's in? Five seconds. So they were she like, is like again, the pure cameo in that, isn't she? Oh, she yeah. is. She is there to ha- yeah. She is there to have her name on that film, and she, you know, she could have filmed that on a trip to London. Literally, what how she comes into that film? She, she turns up at an airport that. and walks. Yeah. That. Here's the best part: is if you go on IMDb and you pull up Denise Richards, it says known for. The world is not enough. Star Trip Troopers, Wild Things, Love Actually. Yeah. Her character's name is Carla, the real friendly one. Yeah, she like, doesn't even have a last name in the film. No, you, you, you know, like, and the thing is, like, yeah, she was like kind of the it girl at the time. But as far as I'm concerned, January Jones and Alicia Cuppert are way, bre- way better looking than she is, and way more talented, especially January Jones. I mean. Alicia Cuppert, she got a little, like, um, domesticated, kind of, because she ended up marrying a hockey player. And yeah. um, and she's Canadian, and he's also Canadian. And he was playing for the Maple Leafs in Toronto for a while. So she ended up moving there. So most of her, like, Hollywood lifestyle kind of got put on hold, per se. I mean, obviously, she would still travel and do whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, she was in 24 for all nine years. The Girl Next Door, House of Wax, Love Actually, The Ranch. Like, The Ranch is very well-received over here. She's in a show called Happy Endings, which is also on for nine years over here. Like, she she did a lot of things. She just kind of flew under the radar a little bit. But, yeah, you know, as far as the Americans go in that film. But, yeah, just, you know, quick run down the list again. Love Actually just got a ton of people that are in Harry Potter. I can think of at least, like, what, three or four off the top of my head. Without actually, almost sort of touched on that quickly when you were sort of saying about, um, I suppose like the American actors in it. It's also got a lot of if you're a fan of sort of English TV or film, there's a few there as well that you'll you'll see, and they just seem to be the sort of usual suspects in every single English TV show ever made. Like Chris Marshall, who plays Colin in the film, he's been in. Um, What's it called? Death in Paradise, I think it's called. Things like that, you know, those sorts of things. Um, Martin Freeman, obviously, done a huge amount now. Um, I haven't seen him in anything for a while, but, yeah, just done a huge amount. And then, you know, you you can keep going. You look at Ryan Atkinson, like, Ryan Atkinson playing Ryan Atkinson. But one of the ones that I found interesting is um, Thomas Brody Sangster. I am absolutely mullering these names today. Um, he is... He still looks exactly the same as he did in this film. Um, but he is now in The Queen's Gambit, if I'm not mistaken. And he he does still look the same. But that's fine. Some people are blessed with youth, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, he one of those other sort of English actors that's that's just continued to keep going with it. So yeah. there's some really good names there that maybe aren't necessarily sort of the A-list ones that we mentioned at the beginning. But, you know, we, we have literally gone on about Love Actually this whole time. We haven't talked at all about The Holiday. Like, is that 
Yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll discuss the holiday in a second. Because, <laughs> like I said, I love them both. But I did find yeah. this article. I want to read it to you real quick. So, it is the Love Actually cast is one big festive fandom crossover. So you've got Emma Thompson, Harry Potter, Alan Rickman, Harry Potter, Liam Neeson, Star Wars, and Batman. Thomas Brody Sangster is in Game of Thrones. Yeah. That, and Doctor yeah. Who. So Game of Thrones, huge, huge mega hit in the in Europe being Doctor Who. Yeah. And then, of course, The Queen's Gambit, which is his big one. And then he's in the Maze Runner films, too. So then one thing people don't know is um, I think he's in Phineas, Phineas and Ferb. Do you guys have that over there, that cartoon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was pretty big over here, too. And then, of course, Colin Firth, Kingsman, Bill Nighy. Harry Potter, Pirates of the Caribbean, Kira Knightley, Pirates of the Caribbean, Andrew Lincoln, Walking Dead, Chiwetel Ejiofor, this is a good one. You got Serenity, and then Doctor Strange, as well as 12 Years a Slave. And then January Jones, X-Men First Class, and then Mad Men. Martin Freeman, of course, Sherlock on BBC, and then The Hobbit. You know, And then uh, one that I actually didn't know is the guy that plays Rodrigo, or I think is actor, the actor Rodrigo Santoro, who plays like that hunky like Spanish dude that Laura Linney tries to be with the whole time. He's in Westworld, and then he's also like, or he's also in 300. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, he's got just like, three it's, different it's just looks. just a mad cast, isn't it? And I think one of the other ones as well that I sort of missed on quickly there was also... Um, Oh shit! I've just lost it. Is it Joanna Page? Is that who I'm talking about? Um, yeah, Joanna Page. So Joanna Page is another one of those English actors that she was in Gavin and Stacey. I don't know how big that is over there, but once again, for that, I think she became almost like a cult icon for English sort of TV and that right. because that was what James Corden started off on. That was where he sort of got his break and just. Mm-hmm. I think you can just go through the list, can't you? It's just mental. Like, I wouldn't say necessarily this film sort of, I suppose, catapults anyone, but this, I feel like, is going to be one of those films that in 20 years' time, we're going to be showing our kids and grandkids and that and talking about this is, you know, it's right. sort of sad, isn't it? You know, this is going to be like our grandparents talking about how much they love Casablanca and we're going to be like, fucking love, actually, mate. <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't even think I've seen Casablanca, so let's no. be real. <laughs> All right, so if you're ready, we can move on to the holiday. Yeah. So I want to start with some of the cast in the holiday. I'm going to make the two, to me, as far as I'm, and I don't want, I, I guess you can't, some of them are more blatant than the other, but the three James Bond references I came up with is obviously Hans Zimmer did the score for the holiday. This, to me, is one of the best scores he's ever done. I'm telling you, just listen to it. It's, like, it's phenomenal. Number two, Kate Winslet. He used to be married to none other than Sam Mendes. So she was married to Sam Mendes, Skyfall Inspector, Director. Um, so there's that, of course. Which, if you knew that, doesn't make the whole um, 
her ending up with Jack Black the craziest thing in the world because <laughs> Sam Mendes is also not the best looking dude alive. So, um, okay. So, and then number three, this is a deep, deep cut. So for all the Americans listening, Hawaii Five-0 reboot with Alex O'Loughlin and um, Scott Kahn. Alex O'Loughlin, Australian actor, auditioned for Casino Royale, which is interesting as fuck to me. But Alex O'Loughlin auditioned for Casino Royale. So those are my three uh, James Bond ties for the holiday. I am so glad that I did this podcast with you because if I ever did something like this by myself, I just things like that I just have no idea about. Like I'd just be like, oh, James Bond's good and he dresses nicely. Jake um, <laughs> Bond, mate, it's my mate. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's wow. I didn't know that. I so I think going back to this film with it, it's obviously a lot smaller cast, um, and. It just relies so heavily on four people. I'd maybe say say five with the you know, the Arthur character as well, who sort of gets drawn into that a little bit as well. But You're talking about uh Eli Wallach, the old older yeah. guy? Yeah, yeah. So fun fact about him, Godfather three. I mean this guy that guy too is almost 200 acting credits under his name. He was a mega, mega star back in the yeah. day. I mean, I was born in 1915. It's in Clint Eastwood movies and shit like that. Magnificent Seven, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, um, and Godfather. So that's that's just kind of like a nod to like old Hollywood. Yeah, and I think they did that really well by having someone who is very established come in mm-hmm. and play that because almost the way that he comes in, he's, he's very believable in that role as... Oh, yeah someone who was around them because he actually was. So I think that was, uh, I think that he makes the film to yeah. be truthfully honest. Like for me, um, I'll, I'll preface everything that I'm going to say is that I actually really do like this film. I, this is one of those films that I always feel like I haven't seen it until I put it on. It's one of those weird ones where, I sit there and my wife will be like, oh, let's watch The Holiday. And I'll say, oh, yeah, I've never seen that. And I've realised I've actually watched it 20 times as right. soon as the beginning starts. It's one of those ones for me. But I don't know. There's, like I was sort of saying a little bit, I think sometimes the Americanization of the English side of things, that's probably mm. one of the, the only parts to me that bugs the film a little bit. So it's like Jude Law, for example, in this film, he is portrayed as being the most English man you can ever meet in your life. Like, mm-hmm. you mean Mr. Napkinhead? Oh, just I, I love Mr. Napkinhead. It's so good. <laughs> I know we're going to talk about this a little bit because it's something that we both appreciate with with clothes and things like that. But how he dresses in that film, it almost just. It would be like finding an American actor, an English film, finding an American actor, and then finding the catalogue of Brooks Brothers and being like, there we go. That's what all Americans dress like. And there's something about it. It's like the scarves and the glasses and the jacket. You can't tell me it doesn't look good, though. can't tell me it doesn't look good. No, he does. But it's just, I don't know. There's something about it for me where it's just like, I, I can't even put my finger on it. But it's just like, 
you've dressed you've dressed him so English that he doesn't even look English anymore. It looks like a character of an English person, which of course it is. But we're allowed to be critical. We do a podcast that no one gives a shit about what we actually say, so it's all good. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that... some people do. Some people do. We get DMs all the time. I oh, know. I'm I'm waiting. I'm hey, waiting. I'm still. Wait. I'm still clearing through the Sean Connery ranking one. Um, but yeah, it's like I said, there's there's nothing wrong with this film. It's just there's always these little intangibles with films that I think it's probably just because I have seen it a lot of times that I now start to pick up on. Um, but yeah, tell, tell me why you love this film. Why is this your go-to film? You said you put it on in the background and, you know, it's an easy watch. For well, you. I mean, it, it's it's a very feel good film, you know, and mm-hmm. and I do, I just, for me, like, I love the locations, you know. Obviously, from what it sounds like, the cottage was, you know, like you said, on the soundstage, but still, it's just like I like, <clears throat> just, you know, the 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 relationships between the two couples are good, and the thing is too, like, and and this is a good example. I was trying to think about how to word it earlier, but. It actually works out perfectly with the actor Rufus Sewell or Sewell, who plays uh, Jasper Bloom or uh, Count Edamar in A Knight's Tale. Like, that's one of those things where, like, when you look at Kate Winslet ending up with Jack Black and you think, like, okay, maybe that's a little weird casting or whatever, it was cast that way on purpose because. If you, because Eddie Burns is also in this film, you may know Eddie Burns from, he's in a couple episodes of Entourage, or like uh, Brothers McMullen, or of course Saving Private Ryan. And I think he's done like a lot more directing lately than anything else. But when you cast somebody like Jack Black to go up against, per se, Rufus, it's like, you can't cast just like another super handsome guy because yeah. then it's like, it makes it like not believable. It doesn't make it, it doesn't make it look like it, it, it shows that Kate Winslet's character is like obsessed with this guy. Cause he's so handsome and they had like this little fling and then he can just like pick her apart whenever he wants to. But then she ends up falling for somebody that doesn't look or act like that yeah. in any way that makes that relationship a lot more believable, which is why I like the way that's written. And then the Cameron Diaz, Jude Law part, I like that because it puts the woman in the position to be like the heartbreaker or like the controller rather yeah. than 99% of the time you, you see it being like the male character. So it's just a little different. It's not as uh, – and, and like in fairness to this, of course, love actually is love actually, but it does have different you know, themes and different – Mm-hmm. aspects to it where it's a lot smaller cast it's a lot more focused story rather than love actually with this huge cast and all these intertwining yeah. stories but at the time there wasn't really anything like this you know what i mean because there's so many like hallmark christmas movies are huge in the united mm-hmm. states and they're all the same like i told brianne i was like if i was like there's literally drinking games like on pinterest about yeah. hallmark movies like anytime they say like christmas spirit drink Anytime there's a tree lighting, drink. Like, you'd be blackout within the first 10 minutes of watching any Hallmark movie. So this one does not treat it like a Christmas movie at all because technically that's not the point of it, like, in any way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think that's the same with both of them, like what we were sort of saying in the beginning, that 
they're both good films standalone by themselves. It's right. just the feel of the film makes it feel like a Christmas film. Do you know what I right. mean? Like right. anything that's set around Christmas, you can twist that into a Christmas film and it's just become both of these have right. become Christmas. Like classics, uh, but... Lethal Weapon or Die Hard, whichever one it is. Yeah, exactly. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting point. I think I think one thing they do well is is the locations in this film. Like um, they've they've gone to the extremes with both of them. I think where you go extreme English countryside and extreme, you know, Hollywood Hills luxury. Right. And right, right. I think that you create a bit of an audience for both because you might have sort of say the English audience who there is that romantic side of the US and Hollywood. And then for, you know, the US audience, there's the romantic side of the secluded cottage in the middle of, you know, snowy England. And I think that, you know, I used to live in a little town, probably not too dissimilar to where this is meant to almost all be set a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. like closer to London, but similar sort of feel to it. And even now, like, I watch it and I'm like, yeah, they actually got a few things really right with it. Like, I think having the pub as the centre of the town. I was going to say, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's something that I think the English probably do better than anyone else in the world with the pubs. And that's one thing that I think you can travel anywhere in the world and it's maybe just not the same. Like, the way that English pubs are, especially in winter, open fires, and it's just the whole town is there, like... On Christmas Day, you go down to the pub and they're open from, I think it's maybe 12 till 1 or 12 till 2. And pretty much the whole town on Christmas Day will go down to the pub and have a pint. Like uh-huh. it's a, a tradition in some of these smaller towns. So for me, I think that they did that really well with right. with romanticizing both of the locations. And, you know, and then you've got LA with the luxury, the old style Hollywood, mm-hmm. the new style Hollywood, things like that. Like it's... Yeah, in that sense, very yeah. well done. Unfortunately for them, going into the blockbuster really dates the film. Yeah. When uh, Jack Black takes her. But you know what? One thing that Love actually does, and so this was something that I, I actually talked to my girlfriend about the other day, not in particular with this film, but it's like watching Chopped or some sort of Food Network thing late at night. It's a terrible idea because then you just want to go in the kitchen and just be like making things that you can't make. This love actually just makes me want to have like a nice beer or a nice glass of wine because there's so many good scenes where they're eating really good food. Like there's a scene where Kate Winslet has like all the old time Hollywood neighbors over and then Jack Black and they make like fettuccine Alfredo. And then they flip back to Cameron Diaz and she's made her own fettuccine Alfredo. But then it's like they're at the bar and they're look, drinking like these crisp lagers or these fancy wines. It just makes me hungry, man. It yeah. does. And that's something about her films, Nancy Myers, because in the film it's complicated with Meryl Streep and uh, what's his face? Uh, why can't I think of his name? Alec Baldwin. She's like a baker and she makes like all these fancy foods. One of them is Croque Monsieur, which is like like I think like yeah. uh how would you say it? It's like basically it's like, like a cheese. Uh, it's almost like a cheese toasted with ham and mustard and an egg, yeah. I think there's egg on it. Like yeah. I've only ordered it once before because I heard of it in that film and it was awesome. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like I don't know what it is I'm, about her film. I'm not gonna lie, I um 
we've got like a little French restaurant down the road from us. And if I don't have one at least once a month, then something has gone extremely really? wrong. Oh. So I know exactly what you're talking I about. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Brian's never had it. And I'm going to make her try it because it's so good. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I mean, you know what, though, at the end of the day, they're both just great films. You know what? One of the best scenes of all time is Hugh Grant dancing to that song. Oh, it's 100%. so good, dude. Pointer Sisters or whatever it is. I can't remember what it is, but it's so good. So I think almost to wrap things up, we've talked for almost an hour on Christmas films on a James Bond podcast. So if anyone's reached this point, thank you. Um, you've done well. We appreciate you. Um, if you could change one thing in each film, what would it be? Like it could be casting, it could be scenes, add, takeaway. If there was one thing that you could do, I've just absolutely thrown this on you, so I apologise. But if there was one thing in each film, what would you do? Um, okay, so with Love Actually, there's two things. The first thing is the, and if you really love Christmas, that should be on, on Apple Music. That song's great. That yeah. song's great, dude. I don't even care what people say. It should be an i. It should be an iTunes. That's number one. Number two, the Alan Rickman like cheating thing. I don't know. It just kind of bothers me, just because when you're watching the film and the way that Emma Thompson plays her role, where she, you just feel so bad for her when she starts piecing it together, and like she's such a good mom, and she's just so naive with it all and whatever, but. When they show her go into like the into like the foyer and like reach into his into his coat and see that he bought her like a necklace and then Christmas Day when she opens it and it's a CD, it sets it up for two things. It sets it up for the obvious what happens where it's not the necklace. I wish yeah. it was. You know what I mean? I wish they kind of made you think he was gonna give it to the other girl and that he was gonna feed into it and then when the time came, he actually gave it to his wife. That's like yeah. I don't know I but like the part with like the uh, the poster boards that's like iconic too. Yeah, you know what I mean with Andrew Lincoln. Like there's that movie is great, dude. It's great. It's really interesting with um I was actually reading this the other day with Emma Thompson. She was talking about that because she used to be married to Kenneth Branagh, um, and he had an affair with Helena Bonacarta when they were filming Frankenstein and mm -hmm. there was all that going on and she found out and all of this sort of stuff and they were talking about an interview with her and that sort of came up and she was talking about using that as her experiences because I think how she like I agree I it it's a it's a big downer in the film but yeah. I think that it's done so well like I think if you had anyone that wasn't Emma Thompson doing that with like you're saying she's portrayed as like the perfect mum she's the perfect sort of you know um support network for Liam Nielsen as well in that film things like that like she's she's perfect in that film and I think that she does that so well but I agree it's you know it's a pretty grim part of the film but right, right. also film it also feels pretty necessary to have the something a bit more real in there because right. throughout the rest of the film you look at nearly everyone else and it's like, well, this is going to work out for them. Right. Whereas right. You Especially with what's his face when he goes to America, that shit just doesn't oh, happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen, unfortunately. If anybody out there thought that thought that's what happens, it doesn't. But I, at the same part, I, like it's I grim as hell that, that part was oh, that part was definitely sponsored by like the US tourism. Yeah. 
Bud Light. Like, chuck this in and we'll, you know, throw you a couple mil right. because no. I can bet you, like, tall, lanky, ugly English men were just like, well, that's it. I'm booking my flight. He's so funny, though, man. He is so yeah. good. I'm trying to think. Yeah. He has a line that I say to Brienne probably twice a day, and I can't think of what it is. It's like it's like when he's telling his friend that he's going to to America, and then he just says he's like, "Well, I do," or, so, or I can't remember what it is. He just said something so English. Yeah, and I say it all the time, and I can't freaking think of what it is. God, that pisses me off. There's just that part when he books his flight and he's going, "I'm going to England. I'm going to England." Yeah. <laughs> America, I'll screw it down. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You confused me for a second. Dumbass. Yeah. I've just worked out why I can never find true love. Why is that? English girls. They're stuck up, you see. And I am primarily attractive to girls who are, you know, cooler. Game for a laugh. Like American girls. So I should just go to America. I would get a girlfriend there instantly. What do you think? I think it's crap, Colin. Uh, that's where you're wrong. American girls would seriously dig me with my cute British accent. You don't have a cute British accent. Yes, I do. I'm going to America. But, no, I think if I could change one part in Love Actually, and I'm sure if Don is listening to this, he'll probably disagree, because this is like the bit with the boobs in it. It's like the porno shoot bit. Like, I feel like there's just... It's just weird for some reason, and, like, it, that one... One very small part of the film makes this not like a family film anymore. Right, like, right, I remember right. watching this when I was, I was pretty young when it sort of came out and that, and um, I watched it with my family, and it would just be like, great story, great story, great story. Okay, what's what's happening? I know. What's, you know what though? Yeah, that's so weird that you say that because last night I was on HBO Max. I was trying to find something Christmassy to watch. And I clicked on like uh, they had a section like movies to watch with the family or something. And then yeah. like Austin Powers and stuff were on there. And as a kid, I never would have watched Austin Powers with my parents because I was Heather Graham was my first crush. Like I, yeah. I thought every disgusting thought a kid has with Heather Graham. <laughs> so but then I was like, OK, I wonder if this is like the first ever like family movie section where they try to cater to every type of family and every age you are. Like, yeah. my dad and I can watch whatever we would want to watch now. Yeah. But it's like, if you cl- normally if you click on, like, the family movie section of, like, Netflix, it's just, like, you it's know, Home Alones and shit yeah. like that. But this was, like, PG-13. Some of it was R, and I was like, okay. So, like, the Laura Linney piece where she gets, like, topless when she's about to sleep with that guy, that's one thing. But, yeah, like, the porn shoot... That's a completely different thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just, like, I don't know. That's it, a little it, more exotic. It just always feels unnecessary to me. Like, I understand that it's just, you know, adding another complexity to it. And it's not in the film that much. But to me, it just, I uh, doesn't doesn't feel necessary to mm. make this a good film. And I think it almost sort of, it it ages this you know how you're talking about it them going into blockbusters i feel like this right. film, that's the one part of this film that subtracts from it rather than adds right. to it all of the other storylines regardless if you like the actors or anything like that they add a bit more to the film whereas that one right. i'm just like oh 
take it or leave it, to be honest. And it, it annoys me because, like we are saying, um, what's his name? Martin Freeman. Absolutely brilliant. Um, great actor. Same with... Um, oh, God. Oh, I'm having a shocker today. With Joanna Page as well. Mm-hmm. Great, but just a shame how they're using the film. Who's the one that you said was married to the guy that had the affair with Helen Bonham Carter? Um, oh, what was his name? Kenneth Branagh. He was um, Murder on the Orient Express is probably his most recent thing. Um, he's done a lot. Like he was in Thor, Hamlet, Tenet. He was in that as well. Um, we need to talk about Tenet as well at some point. Oh, um, yes. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I have a lot to say on Tenet. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. Yeah, okay. Lucky you. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, Who did he used to be with? Oh, Emma Thompson, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's a little... F- okay, damn. Good point. That is definitely a little interesting for her to play that role. Maybe she maybe she had a hand in it. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me, like like we're sort of saying, you know, she is British film royalty. Like mm-hmm. she wants to do something, she can do it, I reckon, with when it comes to sort of films and that probably like I'd be looking at her and like Mel Streep on Mel Streep maybe a little bit more, but you know, those sorts of people uh, I feel like they could manipulate a role to how they wanted it to in the English film yeah. industry. Just let's see if she's got a producer time. credit. I want to see if she's got a. Pro- she does not have a producer credit on Love Actually. Well, there we go. There's there's our theory completely fucking blind. I mean, not necessarily though, because producer more so helps pick the actors. Where yeah. you could have easily sat in the writers' room with them, and yeah. um, or just said like, you know what? Honestly, I think this is what actually happened. What happened was is they wrote the different stories and then maybe pitched her a couple different versions or a couple different, yeah. you know, she's like, you can play this character, this. And she was like, I want to play this character because yeah, I've been through this think, and this is yeah. the story I want. I think that could well be the case. Whereas you're looking at someone like Martin Freeman, that's you get off of this part because you're not that sort of level. So, yeah. Right. Well, I think we are just about to hit the hour mark. Um I think that about covers up our Christmas special. So, Merry <laughs> Christmas, mate. Merry Christmas to you and Merry Christmas to everybody listening. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. It's been a hell of a year. Yeah, I it's could imagine, would you reckon we'll maybe come back and do a one for New Year's? We can talk a bit about everything that's happened in the year and yeah. what's going on next year. Yep. Sounds good to me. Yeah, easy. Well, yeah, hope everyone has a great Christmas and we will... Be back soon. Yeah, thanks guys. See you later. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. All I want for 
Yeah. <laughs>